AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. It's brand new, season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen wolf And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This week's episode is sponsored by Shamin Shim Neely, motivational speaker, founder, and president of Ladies with Chapters. LWC is dedicated to supporting and empowering women to live and love their life through sharing real-life chapter stories. Locally and globally, Shim connects with women from different backgrounds, races, and cultures. With one mission in mind, Shem aims to strengthen women to overcome and persevere through every chapter of life with the support and inspiration of those who already have by using multiple platforms, including community and social events, podcasts, and vlogs. She strives to build a community of women who have hope and confidence that they too can conquer and prevail. For more information on this week's sponsor, please visit the link in the show notes below. I hope y'all enjoyed this week's episode, part two. I work in the women's shelter. And until next time, everyone, later. Welcome. You are now listening to The Professional Homegirls, it's the kid Ebony from the PhD podcast, the only place where you would hear interviews from Black women anonymously on stories that would enlighten and expand on taboo topics. Now, if you hear someone that sounds familiar, mind the business that pays you, child. If you like the PhD podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Please, five star reviews only. Hold me down, don't hold me up. Merch is now available on the site as well as my book list, so please make sure you visit the link in the show notes below. You can connect with the kid on Instagram at the Professional Homegirl and at the PhD Podcast. If you are on Twitter, please follow me at the PhD Podcast.
Now, if you are all caught up with episodes, listen to the bonus episodes by supporting the PhD Podcast Patreon account. To support, please visit www.patreon.com forward slash the PhD Podcast. Now, please keep in mind that all of my guests are anonymous, so let's begin this week's episode. You know, when I hear you talk about a lot of things, a lot of resistance that comes with your job, and I thought about the comment you made on, you know, how the shelters are pretty much designed like this, like, and I'm just thinking to myself, like, wow, like, for somebody to try to get their shit together, it doesn't take a year to get your shit together, like, it takes a couple of months to get that, just to get things going. Absolutely, it's, it's designed that way because they get, they get more money for, it's the, money, right. for the client being in the bed than they do for them being somewhere else. So it's like if I'ma just throw and then they use they use like the vouchers to kinda like entice them. So recently the City Fest voucher was increased to from twelve sixty five to nineteen forty five. And that's to compete with the Section Eight voucher. The only thing with the City Fest voucher is it's good for five years. After that, mm. you on your own. So a lot of times that's what trips people up too, because it's like Again, there's no there's no real resources. Like in the shelter system, in, in the shelter, there's nobody who's saying like, okay, let me teach you how to save your money. Let me teach you how to um, bank. Because most times their rent is going to be 30% of whatever income it is that they have. And if they're on public assistance, public assistance will completely pay the rent and they don't have to worry about it. But like I said, when you're dealing with that mental illness and the substance abuse, it becomes really hard to focus on what on on your real responsibility. Right. And because mm. there's nobody really there pushing saying like, yo, and then even for those of us who are pushing and saying like, yo, you need to you need to be saving your money. You mm-hmm. need to be, you know, doing this, doing that. They not trying to hear us. Right. Dang, you mentioned you mentioned about um seeing someone overdose. So when was the first time you saw something and it just made you cry? Um, sheesh, it's been a while. Um, I don't know. If that's I don't. A good thing I don't. Or a bad thing. I don't know either. <laughs> I don't know if I don't even remember the first time I actually cried about a client at shelter. Um, but I do know the 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 night that we moved into the hotel, what definitely um opened my eyes about how prevalent the drug the drug use is the night that we i guess either the night or like the night after we moved into the hotel, somebody died from an overdose right mm-hmm. so at this time, I was doing. I was in school, so I was, like, kind of working, like, the late shift, working overnight, you know, just doing some overtime or whatever. And I remember coming back to the facility, and there was so many coming back to the hotel. There was cops everywhere, SDNY everywhere, and the lady is dead upstairs in the room because she, Mm. she overdosed. She took some bad drugs, and I'm just, like... Like, that was so eye-opening because I'm like, how are y'all, where, where is it coming from? What is what is the problem? And I'm just like, y'all really, it pains me because my clients will really rather stay in a trauma than to really get the help that they need. 
Because we could, I could say all I want that the services are not there, but sometimes they are there and the clients are just really not taking advantage of it. And they are so scared to really heal and to be great that they would rather just stay stuck in that moment, stuck in whatever put them there. And I'm just like, it is, it definitely chips away at you. Mm. So how do you not take this home with you? I ain't say I don't. Oh, well, in what, ways, it's, it's, in what ways do you take it home? I think sometimes I'll be a little bit more meaner to my kids because, you know, it just be so heavy at work sometimes. And then, like, right now I'm in the process of, so I started therapy, so I'm in the process of learning how to do my own self-care and to say, when I clock out, that's it. Mm -hmm. I'm not answering. I was so accustomed to, because I have a work phone too. So I was so accustomed to when I clock out, I'm still checking my phone. I'm still responding to emails. I'm still making calls. I'm like, you're still on the clock. Right. And I'm home. I'm home with my kids. And instead of helping them do their homework or do my own homework, I'm sitting over here responding to emails. I'm getting upset because I saw some, I read something that I didn't like, or then I see an incident report coming. So I'm reading that and I'm saying, well, gosh, I'm gonna have to go check in on this client tomorrow when I get in. And then I'm trying to figure out well, when, when am I going to have time to see this person, blah, blah, whatever. So it was just like, so at one point I had to say, because I was getting a headache, I'm crying. I'm saying like, what is going, like, why am I so overwhelmed? And I'm home. Mm. Like my house shouldn't be, it should be my safe, my safe space. I shouldn't have to be bringing this home with me. So now I just get in the habit of 4.30 when I clock out, I turn my phone off mm. and I don't turn it back on until eight o'clock the next morning. And even with my clients, they call in my phone. I have clients, they call my phone over the weekend. They call in my phone after hours. And I had to really start training myself like, girl, you do not have to answer that phone. Mm. You are, I'm not, on, I, I have to keep telling myself, I am not on call. I'm not an on-call worker. So mm -hmm. I don't need to be sitting over here answering my phone every second they ring or trying to figure out, oh, let me respond because, and then a lot of times my directors may say like, oh, you know, uh, upper management, they need this by this time and they want to know this. It's the same way even if I take a day off. I took off yesterday and I'm still sitting in my bed answering emails, answering text messages, taking phone calls. And I'm like, well, girl, girl, you're supposed to be off. Right. Well, I'm glad that you're in a space <clears throat> that you did realize what you need because you can deteriorate like that. Like, right. And especially with you being a mother. And I'm also surprised that shelters don't provide services for employees when something traumatic happens. So we do, we have like grief counselors. We have um, okay. the EAP services. We have all of that. But it, to be honest, I, I just, I feel like nobody takes advantage of it because it's just like, yeah, we are, we not getting the help that we need. Like, a lot of things can be, a lot of things can be avoided if upper management would just learn to listen to the people who's really in the trenches. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and because they job. Right. And because the clients, because DHS and because, like, all these different shelter providers, they take the word of the client over the word mm -hmm. of, the, of the worker 
so quickly and so so just like all the time that it leaves staff feeling like it don't even make no sense in fighting the fight because for what they just gonna say oh we know or we working on it or whatever there's been my staff in the past two weeks there's been about three related incidents with clients attacking staff Mm. and all you see is I'm sorry this happened and it's just like it could have been avoided but what is the procedure because you know I know that attacks can look different but at the end of the day somebody can really get hurt so like what is the procedure when this happens because attack can be an argument or like somebody might throw something at you or it could be like a, a, a a physical brawl so like what do you do in that case and how does leadership leadership not protect its employees i mean for me i just be feeling like i feel like they don't care and i said this when we had we had the secure meeting two weeks ago or three weeks ago because a a, a client attacked the staff in the corner store right like so they got into oh, a full I didn't even think fight. about that right they got into a full-blown fight in the corner store and i was just like this is the problem these the clients they have way too they have way too much access to us and that's in the building and outside of the building they have way too much access to us and we're expected to not fight back we're expected to not make yourself right but we're expected to make it seem like we're not getting into a whole physical fight so for me i've never i've never gotten into a fight with a client i've Mm. never like i will argue them down all day of course but i've never had a client like put their hands on me and i've never put my hands on a client but I've seen it happen. It happened this morning, as a matter of fact. I damn sure did. It happened this morning mm. where a client attacked the staff. And it's just like, this is the problem. These ladies, they, they off their meds. They not getting the help they need. And they're triggers and they're ticking time bombs. And we're just expected to sit there and take it. That's crazy. And I, and I don't mean like we, we are sit there and let them slap us up, but I mean, we have to sit there and accept the, because what, what happens is, so the protocol is if a client attacks a staff, you know, we call NYPD, EMS, more than likely they're going to get taken to the hospital mm-hmm. for like a mental check. They're not going to get arrested. There's nobody getting locked up. You have to do something like super severe in order for that to happen so you they go to the hospital and they get released maybe like two hours later and they back at the shelter now if it's something like the fight that happened in the store that client was ultimately transferred but a lot of times what will happen is the staff will have to get transferred for safety reasons but you just made me think about something because um i used to date the ceo and a thousand years ago, I had wanted to go to this particular uh, movie theater in the hood because it was East, East New York, and that's where I grew up at with my grandma's house, blase, blase. Mm-hmm. And he argued me down, saying, like, yo, I can't go over there. Like, if somebody see me that I used to, um, they used to be in my cell, it could be a problem. And right. I'm just thinking about this situation, but it's also, like, how do you prevent that? Because you're going to always be outside, and this person see you, they mm-hmm. can easily just run up on you. I mean, but that's anybody. That's right. anybody. That's anywhere. And 
so I don't want to make it seem like you know is 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 well it is kind of like a jail and a shelter but for the most part the clients they really won't they unless they in a psychosis or they on some type of trip they're really not going to do anything like we have more down days than when the, when we have in the days with the incidents it's it gets hectic Mm-hmm. But for the most part, the ladies they good. Like they they don't they don't get they don't really give us too much problems. They like I said, they just want what they want when they want it, mm-hmm. and that's anybody. But you, when you do have those moments, like you just gotta you gotta keep your head on the swivel and you just gotta keep your guard up and keep it moving, because right. they can always. There's been clients who follow you to the store, follow you to the train, all this kind of stuff. But it's also about setting the boundaries too. You have to let these ladies know that you ain't playing with them. Like me, I'm not a fighter at all. 32, never had a fight a day in my life. But I let all these clients know, like, please don't get it twisted. Right. Don't get it twisted. I'm a, I'm a always go. I'm a always protect moms because ain't nobody gonna go tell my kids that they gotta bury me because oh she ain't fight back or she ain't whatever. Like I've made it very. I make it known. I will defend myself at all costs. I don't care against who. I could always get a new job. That's fine. But ain't nobody. You not just gonna run up on me. But like I said, for the most part, the clients they be so busy in their psych- psychosis that they ain't paying you no mind. Right. Now the ones who get it shaken, that's a different story. But for the most part, I, I, there's really not, they're not that bad in here. But I can still, I can't even imagine some of the things that you probably witnessed at your job. And I, I feel like we had this conversation before when we first met. But and I think I know the answer to this. But do you think that you became desensitized from a lot of things due to your Absolutely. job? Absolutely, I'm definitely yeah. jaded to a lot of things. But I also stay, I also make sure that I, I'm aware about what's going on with mental illness, what's going on in the world and all of that. Like I, I try, I know at one point I had, um, I was dealing with like a lot of vicarious trauma. So that's why I can't, like when it comes to like police shootings and all those kind of things, like that's why I can't read about those kind of things. But I can't I've either. Been, I can't. I don't watch it. Like me and my yeah. friend, she she probably gonna be mad bring this up, but like, uh, I, that's my boundary. Like I don't yeah. watch it. I don't like. I have to tell her like, yo, please stop sending me that stuff because I don't like watching seeing people that look like me getting killed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see. I don't. It's bad enough I have to hear about it or read about it, but I just cannot take it because it really like does something to me. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't read about it or whatever. But when it comes to like the mental health and like things that have been going on, especially like in New York on the subways, just all that kind of stuff, I stay aware because I got kids and my son. He, my son is a teenager, so he's out there and he's traveling on the trains all the time and on the buses and all of that. So I try to keep myself aware so that way I can let him know how to keep himself safe. You know, but I'm definitely desensitized to a lot of stuff like a lot of times I'll have clients come in my office and they be, may be in a mood or they may be down and I don't want to hear it and I just be like I'm not in a mood get out like I don't want to <laughs> do I don't want to deal with it because it's just it's, it becomes so much because when mm-hmm. you read these like these people have 
I remember I did a I did a, a a live and I was just saying that we have to really start being nicer to each other. My mm-hmm. clients been through some shit. Like through some like they've been through some stuff. And I just be like, how can another human being do this to another human being, right? And mm-hmm. I'm just like, and then and then they leave us to either put the client together or try to figure out, you know. And I'm just looking and I'm saying, you want me to, how, how am I supposed to do this? Right. Because when you, when you start working the shelter system, there's no guidebook. There's no trainings. There's no nothing. It's just like, okay, show up to this location on this day and there you go. So if you get attacked on your first day, you get attacked on your first day. I don't know what to tell you. Mm. You know, you just made me think about something that has nothing to do with our um, conversation, but I know you heard about the mayor, how he want to remove homeless people or people who suffer from mental illness or anybody that's pretty much sleeping on the trains, Mm -hmm. all this other stuff, and he wants to remove them. How do you feel about that? It'll never work. It will never work. First of all, the public system, the transit system is way too big. Is way too many people battling with mental illness. It ain't gonna happen. And um, for starters, a lot of those people sleeping in the train are my clients. So mm. because and they will tell you that they that they they don't feel safe in the shelter, so they're gonna go sleep on the train tonight, or they're gonna go sleep in the in the park, and they'll be back whenever they be back. Mm. So it's just like. And it's gotten like it got because I take the train everywhere. It's gotten worse. Like it's it's horrible because the shelter systems are so we are either at capacity. No, we're not even at capacity, and that's what concerns me, right? Because we have a hundred and four beds, and right now our count is probably like at ninety. And when I be seeing the numbers come in, I keep saying, "Where are my ladies at? Where are right?" Like, this is a problem to me. Why aren't you here in your bed? And even when I have some clients who go, so we call it Code 51 when they um leave the leave the facility, when they lose their bed. So even when I have clients that go 51, I'm like, when they come back, I'm like, yo, where you was at? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what happened? It'll be sometimes where right now I even have a client in my head who I'm like, I haven't seen her. And, you know, a lot of times, and they say, listen, I'm tired of getting my stuff stolen. I'm tired of getting treated like whatever. So I just slept on the train. And I was talking to somebody about this. And they was like, yo, you really care about this. And I'm like, for somebody that rides the train, I don't see how you not care. Because something happened in the pandemic where there has been an influx of people, Uh like, spazzing out. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, we in New York, so we see things a little bit more than other people in different in other cities but like it's just been very intense like yeah super intense super intense like it makes me very uncomfortable take the train especially during certain times i know and i was never like that like me Me either i could always spot the crazies right so i'm always like all right now but also what i learned working in this working in this um field is that you can't react because that's exactly what they're looking for. They looking for you to react. So then now, so it's like if I'm on a train and somebody smell or somebody bugging out, you know, you just got to be a little bit more heightened. But don't react because the second that you react, they're gonna say like, oh, "Okay, gotta." Right. 
gotta. And nobody like you definitely gotta play cool. Yeah, you always have to play it cool when you're dealing with people who have mental illness because you don't know what stage they're in in their in their psychosis. Mm-hmm. So you just so like that's why I always tell I tell my my big son, I tell my niece, like don't go to the train tracks until the train is coming. Keep your head on a swivel. If something don't look right, you just gotta get to a whole bunch of group of people and 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 you better stay prayed up. That's it, because yep. you at this point, the mental illness and the everything that's going on in this world is so heavy and it's so frequent and it's just so just out there and happening that you can't avoid it. Mm-hmm. Like I don't even have my headphones in no more. Like mm-hmm. I might have one in just in case somebody think I'm not paying attention, but when I'm really in, but like I be so alert because even like I'm on train last night, I think it was smoking. We and it started by smoking a, a crack pipe. I said, mm-hmm. nah, I smoke yep. too much. <laughs> yep. So I That's know that exactly you are, how it be. girl, and I be feeling for the kids, like, because you know there are some people who are addicted to drugs that are still like, you know what, let me just chill out for a minute because I see a child here. Mm-hmm. That they're very aware, but there are other people where these niggas just don't care not one bit, and I'm just not like, one bit. and then I'm also thinking to myself like. The parent was sitting next to the child. I'm like, you gonna have your child sitting next to this? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's just it's just it's a lot going on in New York, man. So it's I crazy. know that you are a mother, and I wonder how does it make you feel when you see single mothers at your job? Um, so when I, I have a lot of single moms, but I, I definitely always take the time to ask them about their kids. Um, because I feel like, I feel like that always needs to be something in the back of their mind, not as a guilt trip, but I just want them to be like, I like to bring awareness to my clients and let them know, like, you sure you want to do this? Like, you know, we can't, we can't tell them not to do something, but I always like, it's a lot of clients who I have where they kids they may be in foster care on ACS or whatever. So I'll say to them, like, oh, how's your kid? Did you, were you able to go to a visit this week? Did you get to see them? It hurts me seeing these single mothers, but I get it. So a lot of times my clients, they, they may have gone to family shelters and tried it at family shelter and it didn't work. Or for whatever reason, they just were not fully equipped to be the parent that they need to be. And that's okay, because parenting is hard. So I get it. But when you, like I said, when you have that mental illness, when you have that mental illness and when you have that lack of social support, it becomes very hard for you to do Mm -hmm. even basic things. So taking care of a kid, I can't expect you to take care of no kid. and you you, You ain't even taking care of yourself. Yeah, especially when you don't even know how to take care of yourself. Exactly. Mm. So do you feel like living in a shelter can happen to any one of us? Yep. I tell people all the time, we all are just one one check away from being right in here. Because I've, I have clients who were city workers for years. I have clients who maybe it was like a fire that caused them to become homeless and it took them so long to, you know, have to rebuild. But a lot of them, it really is the mental illness and it really is the drugs that has led them into the shelter system. 
Mm. And it's like they're pulled into it so heavily that they can't get out. Mm. And, you know, it made me be more um, aware, and I was really excited about this, um, about our conversations, because you never know why people are in the situations that they mm-hmm. are in. And mm-hmm. you made a very good point about people have amazing, or maybe, let's not even say amazing, people had jobs. And anything happened, like, a lot of people lost their jobs because of the pandemic, which resulted into them being homeless. Right. So I think that's a good point to make. Like, it can happen to any one of us. It really can. And that's why you just always have to be mindful about the way that you treat people. Because you just really never know. Now, I'm not going to say I'm perfect when it comes to my ladies. I'm not. And a lot of times, you know, I may be in my own mood and it come across wrong. But I always keep that empathy there. And I always, it's very important when you're dealing with people who have mental illness and people who have substance abuse. There's always a reason why. People just mm-hmm. don't pick up crap just, just, just for the sake of picking it up. Oh, let me just try this. People don't do that. Mm-hmm. And when we start really looking at when the shelter system starts humanizing people and mm. really saying that there's a big, there's a big problem. So probably like a month ago, there were so many incidents happening at work. And I kept saying, but what the hell is the problem? Right. I'm like, no. We have incidents, right? But I'm I keep I'm like, yo, no, seriously, what is going on? Why y'all wilding out like this? And it's it was the whole building. It wasn't even like it was one or two. It was like we getting called to the floors, we getting incident reports left and right. I'm like, yo, no, seriously, what the hell is going on? Come to find out, well, what what we assumed is that they got a bad batch of K2. Oh, my God. The whole building, okay? So can you imagine? I mean, I'm having 23-year-old girls talking about they want to commit suicide and they want to do all these things and, and everything back and forth to the hospital, all this. And I kept, I was literally sitting in my office like, no, what's the problem? Like, yo, that is scary. A hundred girls? Listen. Or, when I was close when, to a hundred? Right. And and we all, like, all my coworkers and I, we were really like, no, what's going on? Like, what's happening? I'm like, why are y'all bugging out like this? What's, what's the problem? So the corner store by my job is selling K2. So can they do that? Because I know they, like the stores in Harlem, they can do, they was doing that too. They they can't. So I've been trying to figure out how to get them rated. Actually, I actually did a, a post on Facebook probably like two weeks ago asking for help on how to get them rated because it was becoming it was so bad. Like that they were crazy. they're using their food stamps to go up there, buy the K two. They smoking in the bathroom. They doing whatever it is that they doing, and they having these bad trips. And I just kept saying, it's no, it's not possible that all of y'all is wilding out like this at one time. So when that happened, that put me on alert. So now I'm like, oh, nah, we got to figure this shit out. We got this. This is not, this is not going to happen on my watch. Like, it's really not. A lot of things I'll turn a blind eye to because at this point, trying to get somebody who's been using for 10 years to stop, that's a task. And that's one that I'm not... Um, 
mentally equipped to deal with. And when I say mentally equipped, I mean, I don't have the knowledge on how to help somebody who's dealing with a substance abuse issue, especially because I've never had one myself. So a lot of times I take a back seat when it comes to those things, because I know that they really aren't just numbing their pain. Right. Cause we all got demons. Right. We all definitely have demons and, um, some just know how to deal with it better than others. Unfortunately. Right. And a, a lot of these ladies, that's what triggered the mental illness was they, and I have to always remind them, like, it's not your fault that you in this shelter. No, it's not. It, a lot of it shit was it done ain't to my you. fault. Right. I, I be having the time too. It ain't my fault. I didn't put you here. But I also have to remind them, like, it's okay if you're here. Like, it's all right. The mm. The purpose is not to stay here. Like, this is supposed to be a temporary setting. But because they get the, they may get the little bit of support that they've been longing for, or because, you know, I don't have to worry about somebody going to come. And, and then I have a lot of clients who also they're scared to shower they're scared to change their clothes because Mm -hmm. something happened to them in the bathroom i have clients who have asked me can you please just stand in the in the bathroom with me can you stand outside the door and make sure nobody don't come in here and sometimes i'll be telling them i ain't doing all that i ain't i ain't getting paid to do all that so y'all gonna have to figure that out but then other times it's just like the empathy sets in and you just like, you know what? I got you. Like, don't, right. don't worry about it. And then also, I can only imagine how it feels for you because you know or you build these relationships with these with the women that live there. And when they ask you, can you stay in the room and take a shower and stuff, how that can just be a lot for you because it's just like, damn, I know why she's asking me to do mm-hmm. that. That's heartbreaking, man. I mean, I I try to I try not to think about that anymore because then it's just gonna leave me in a place of always feeling sorry and always feeling right. sorrow and whatever. So I just kind of, you know, if it's something that I feel like I want to do at the time, I'll do it. Right. And then other times, if it's not something, and it, it it's it's not like it'll be like a deep reason why I don't want to. It could just be like I don't want to, you know. Right. And, I mean, and also you gotta honor your boundaries too, because right. you're in a space now where you're transitioning on taking better care of yourself. So I definitely understand from both points. But at the end of the day, you are a mother, and you have yourself. Like you have to do things that's best for you and your family. Mm-hmm. But I, that uh, I'm gonna look into that K two thing with you because that's unacceptable yeah that's 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 beyond me like and it's so many stores that's doing that shit i know i know but i was just really upset because i was i I was like this is really causing a problem because you know i've i've read about stores selling k2 and all that kind of stuff and how clients have had bad reactions or whatever but when it was happening i'm like I, I was really sitting in my office like days at a time, like, no, seriously. Mm-hmm. What the hell? What are y'all on? Wow, that's insane. Yeah. Mm. And even one of my colleagues, she went to the store. She went to the store and she told the man she know exactly what he's doing. She said, I know you in here and you selling, you selling these drugs to our girls and it's causing them to have these bad trips. She told him she know exactly what he's doing. And he looked her right in the face and laughed. I said, oh, hell no. Of course he did. Mm. 
Well, last but not least, the last time we spoke, you shared with me, or the first time we spoke, you shared with me that you was had interest of opening up your own shelter, and then when we finally met, you told me that you changed your mind. So how are you feeling mm. about that, and why is that? Because I'm tired of working in this field. It's very, working in this field is very emotionally draining. And the more that I started exploring the idea of going to therapy, and the more that I just started saying to myself that I have to start taking better care of myself, I was saying, is this what my life is going to be? Is this what I want my life to be? And I kept saying, like, I'm a, I'm a believer of Christ. And I kept saying, I know God don't want me to be doing this for the rest of my life. And not that, not in the sense of helping people, but to keep taking on everybody's burdens and everybody's it's problems. And every, it's a lot. It's a whole lot. And especially the department that I work in, I'm responsible for housing. So whether they get housing or they don't, I'm the face of housing. So I'm always going to be at fault. It's always gonna, I'm always going to be the reason why. And then I feel like when you work with all these outside entities and all these big people and DHS and everything, and everybody got their hands in everything and nobody's listening, nobody is really taking the time out to figure out what the real issue is and what the real problem is. And when we sitting here trying to tell you what the problem is, you ain't, you ain't checking for it. Right. So I just, I, I feel like that would be a lot for me. And I don't want to be, I want to be in a space of where I'm taking care of me. Like, and that's just, that's just real. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to have to be constantly on call. I'm not built for the on call life. I don't want to have to be deep in my sleep or on vacation and answering emails and trying to figure out this and worrying about transfers and an incident done happen and staff this and we shorten. I don't want to have to do that. That's a big undertaking. And it's not that I can't do it, but I don't want to do it at the expense of me. And I feel like having my own shelter, it's very easy to say what you, what you want to do, but to get in that place of, what you can do is is different. There's a lot of rules to these to this game that I, I have no idea of, you know? There's a lot of information that I'm not privy to. And it may be that DHS is doing the best that they can, and unfortunately, we just get in the short end of the stick. It may be that the provider that I work for is doing the best they can, and I'm getting the short end. But I'm just... I, I'm just not there no more. I like I got my degree in social work, and I was like, once it came and I looked at it, and I'm like, I don't even want to be a social worker no more because it'd be like I'm, that too. Yeah, because I'm just so tired of taking it on. I'm tired of being the blame. Even at work, I had decided that I was going to. So we don't really have a system for like giving out mail when the clients get mail. So when I was doing my internship over the weekends, I would come and I would say, oh, you know, I'm going to just go upstairs to the floors and give the mail out because the clients, they're supposed to come down to the office and get the mail. But I said, so much mail, they're not doing nothing. I'm going to just go up and give it out. So I started doing that on the weekend and then I transferred to doing it during the week. So I 
it wasn't a problem to me because I'm just like, yo, I'd rather them have the mail than for everybody be cussing, carrying on, doing all this kind of stuff. But then when the psychosis hit, when the drugs hit, when the first when the first of the month is getting ready to come around and everybody's itching for their check, now they running me down, calling me bitch, calling me fat, calling me this. Oh, I need my check. You better have my money tomorrow. They blaming me. They saying I took their check. I stole their money. All this kind of stuff. So then I had to stop doing it. Mm. but something so small like just the mail cause puts you in a place where it, it becomes very overwhelming and that was something that I volunteered to do mm. so now I had to tell my director like I don't I'm not doing this anymore you have to designate this to somebody else I'm not doing it because I'm getting verbally attacked I'm getting followed around the building I'm getting accused of stealing a check I don't want yeah. those problems. So it's the same thing with not wanting the shelter anymore. I just, I can't take the headache because people, the one takeaway that I want anybody who's listening to, people are suffering. People mm-hmm. are struggling right now. And I'm not just talking about financially, it's mentally, emotionally, spiritually, socially, everything. People are struggling and they don't know how to say, I'm struggling, I need help. Mm-hmm. The services are not there because people are just saying, F it, I ain't going back to work. I don't want to work. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. So the the resources that were once there are no longer there. And people are just turning to drugs. They were they just going to numb it and say, I'm gonna deal with right, I'm just going to deal with this. And then that's it. And it's a that's a lot to take on. It's a lot for one person to walk into a building every day and have to have 104 people screaming at you. Saying, I want, I need, give me this, do this, blah, 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 whatever. Mm. It's a lot. So I don't want it. They can have it. But I really appreciate our conversation, man. I'm, I, I, if anybody listening to this episode, if this wasn't eye opening, like, I don't know what it is. <laughs> like, I really do. And I think that's a great takeaway from our conversation is people are really suffering, man. Yeah. And this pandemic probably heightened it even worse. Mm-hmm. It exposed it actually. And exposed, that's a better word for it. So if y'all have any questions, comments, or concerns, please make sure to email me at hello at the phdpodcast.com. And thank y'all so much for supporting me. And until next time, everyone. Later. You're not gonna say bye? Oh, bye. <laughs> <laughs> it's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen wolf And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. 
Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.